Today is Wednesday. It is uh, September 2nd, 2020, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Uh, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time we have uh, as we gather together this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength, and we pray for wisdom as we approach your word this evening in Romans. We also, um, as we have heard the news of uh, Dave's family, we pray for condolences uh, for Gordon. We also pray for comfort and healing for his family. Um, we are asking for that you give them peace. And Father, we don't know why things happen, but we know that in all things, uh, you are working together for the good of those who are the called. And we appreciate whether uh, we know what's happening or not. We know that we are in the plan and that you are working things out according to your will. So all this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm hearing a little background noise, um, so, but if if you are speaking, Dave, it sounds like it's coming from you, then, you know, please, by all means, take yourself off mute, but I do, I did hear some little, little background noise. I do mute, so, you know, okay. Yeah. So, as I said, we are studying in the book of Romans. We sort of covered verse 19, 8 and 19, probably being 8 20 21 today somewhere in there and um we'll but we'll take a little time for some q a before we get there and we'll open uh the floor is open for q a i'll pause Adam was created and he created... He is the originator of the sin. Yes. That, that was, okay. What, so, so even though he sinned first, he's also the same way too? Well, he sinned first and because of... He, he fell from the state of creative perfection that he had. And therefore, uh, he was fallen and, and the judgments upon him came to pass, which in the day you eat the fruit, dying you will die. And so he was the first one to experience spiritual death. And the, the sin nature that he developed as a result of his rebellion against God is the nature that we also receive as a, because we are in him, we were in him as it were, being that he is the federal head. So that spirit of rebellion, uh, 
that Adam had when he defied God by saying, well, I know I'm not supposed to eat of this, the fruit of this tree, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and he did. He, another woman said, well, you know, I was deceived. I wasn't quite sure. Uh, the serpent made me think that there was some other thing being held back, and I wasn't quite sure what, what I was doing, but I did eat the fruit. And, uh, but Adam... He fully knew what he was doing, and so what is that? That is the spirit of rebellion. And Adam is the federal head, so in Adam all die. But I'll pause to see if I'm at least where you are, or, or if I'm answering the question. No, I'm in, I'm in agreement with that. But my question was only about, where we're born, we're born in a sort of a body with nature. So... Yeah, so the, the difference is, uh, well, are, are you asking what is the difference, or I'm not sure? Yeah, yes, I am. Yeah, so you're right, Adam was born, Adam, I'm sorry, Adam was created, we, were, we are born in Adam, children of Adam. So what, so Adam didn't have a sin nature when he was created, neither did the woman. They by disobedience developed a sin nature that's why we call it adam's original sin why, why do we say original sin it's because it it began with him when he rebelled against god that spirit of rebellion is now was was in all of his children now of course you could say well why is that if I were to ask you, why is that? How would you answer that? How, how would you answer that, Dave? Right, right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the question. Because uh, interesting. I mean, I'm only I'm only bringing out more information. The reason why we are born with a sin nature is because of God's doing. God set it up that way, that everybody who would be born in Adam would be sinners. Now, if Adam hadn't if Adam hadn't sinned, uh, who knows what would happen? I can't even imagine. But uh, if he hadn't sinned, what would have happened? If he hadn't eat, uh, eaten from the tree, and yeah, I can't imagine what would have happened. But we do know what happened. He did sin. And this not only affected, the judgments and results of this sin not only affected Adam and the woman, but they affected all creation. The heavens and the earth were affected by Adam's original sin. We don't talk about it that way, 
but it's true as we're in the verses in Romans chapter 8 we are we're able to see that the earth was cursed in Genesis chapter 3 verses 17 and through 19 the earth was cursed and and why was it cursed it was a uh, upon the result of Adam's original sin so that was a, a another result of of judgments upon the earth related to, to that sin not just the fact that you know he received the penalty and punishment for the sin we also uh, you know have uh, results from what Adam did and so does all creation I pause. Uh, other thoughts out there? How's everybody? Hey, what's up, Bill? Hey. All right. Hey, Bill. Good, good, good. good so I, I missed the question. I heard the answer. Oh, yeah. So um, Dave was asking... Uh, the fact that Adam was born or created, Adam was created, we're born. How does it work where Adam's, you know, in the sin nature or something like that, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Now you may explain that God developed them to have a sin nature. God, what? You mentioned that God um, gave them a sin nature. You know, he, he actually. Cursed them because they had it because they did this away, which, which we knew that yeah, he cursed, he cursed Adam, right? Right, and we're, and we're a progeny of Adam. Well, when I, I think, I think what happens is he judged Adam, yes, when Adam sinned, the result or penalty of Adam's sin is uh, death and separation from God, right? Separation from God, which is spiritual death, with its resulting physical death. The fact, when I mean, what I mean is, the sin, Adam developed the sin nature through his disobedience. God didn't give Adam the sin nature. But what I, I would say is that we, because of who Adam was, receive what he had. And so, and I said, well, who's responsible? In, in some respects, it is God. Because God is the one who set it up that uh, we inherit a sin nature from Adam. It could have been different, right? He could have right. made us like the angels. Yeah. And because and, and Adam had died, he, he, he lost, um, he no longer was spiritually alive. So when I say we're progeny of Adam, I mean, Adam couldn't produce a spiritually alive being because he wasn't spiritually alive. Yes, but I do believe Adam um, received salvation, though, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he, you know, and the, first they tried to make fig leaves to, for the, to cover themselves, and which were not not good at all, I'm sure. But then. God is the one who killed animals. I'm sure. I'm sure he killed them before he took their skin. He killed animals, and he made them coats of fur. Fur coats. Hey, you know, a lot of people today don't like fur coats. 
Because they have to kill animals. Well, God is the one who created the first fur coat. I never even saw it that way until just now. Anyway, he clothed them with animal fur. And to me, this was a part of uh, their salvation, that God would step in and provide a way of reconciliation. Even though I believe Adam and a woman uh, could receive salvation, they still fell. That is not erased that they fought, they have fallen. So they will receive um, re reconciliation from the spiritual death, but they will not receive reconciliation from uh, the physical death until the resurrection. Because they, they are their bodies, those bodies are now um, tainted with sin. So they will need to have a new body that is not and will last forever. And they're going to get a resurrection body. So spiritually, they were dead. When it says we are dead in our transgressions and sins, well, we're not physically dead. <laughs> Spiritual death is in view, obviously. Otherwise, we couldn't, he couldn't be looking at anybody telling them they are dead, unless he's standing in a cemetery somewhere. But he, it says we were dead. So he includes himself in that. And so we know that spirit, spiritual death is in view. So God corrects that through the work of Christ on our behalf, which will also correct the physical death, but that won't be until it is our turn to receive a resurrection body. Complete, yeah. His his, it won't be complete for him, yeah. Right, and and in his incompleteness that he uh, received a judgment from um, disobeying God, he no longer has the ability to produce what he may have been able to produce had he not have been. Well, that's uh, those are questions I can't answer, right? And I was like, well, I don't know. That's like saying, well, what would happen if Adam hadn't sinned and he had children? What would they be? And I, it's sticky. I don't know. But I can tell you what happened. But I can't tell you what. Right. We, we we know we know that because of his sin, what what occurred. Right. But we don't know. If he hadn't sinned, what would his would he have been fruitful and multiply, and would he have children? Uh, I think uh, it's hard to answer those questions because. Uh, that... Well, see, I, I look at it like when Romans talk about the second Adam. You know, we wouldn't need a, a second Adam if we if the first Adam hadn't been what he what he what, you know hadn't. If it hadn't occurred what he, what he had did, you wouldn't need a second Adam. Could we say that? Um, I think we've. I think that's a hard one to say. You know why? Because the the first Adam was of the earth, and those who are after him are also of the earth, earthly. 
but the second Adam is the Lord from heaven, and we are after him. He's, he's, the, he's from heaven, and we uh, are heavenly people. So I think it was God's plan to bring many sons into glory. So I don't think that the first Adam would have qualified for God to bring us into glory. So did God know that Adam was going to sin? I'd say the answer is yes, he did. He knew that Adam would sin. And did he also plan around that to, to bring many sons into glory? Yes, that's what he did. He knew that when he created Adam, because you know what, he, put, he allowed the tree to be in the garden. But he knew that the fall would already happen. And he knew uh, that man would need to experience the understanding of volition, good and evil. Uh-oh. Okay. Did I say something wrong? Because I, I heard the buzzer go off. <laughs> like, whoa. Doug said something wrong there. No, that could have been the buzzer saying you said something right. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bell ringing saying, yeah, that was the right answer. Yeah. So, yeah. The fact that Christ is the Lord and we come through the door of Christ. I mean, without Christ coming and doing the work that he did and being the door for us to enter into glory through him, right? And remember, through the baptism of the Spirit. So God's plan all along was to bring many sons. And you could even take that back a step. If you think about God created the angels, did he know that Satan was going to rebel against him or Lucifer was going to rebel? Yes, he did. He allowed them to have free will. And he knew that Lucifer would use his free will to rebel against God. And he did. And then that set up for God to create man and put a tree in the midst of the garden and for man to have an opportunity. And, and sure enough, what did he do? He rebels against God. So out of that, those rebellions comes God's plan for the church. And I think we need, we needed that rebellion. Uh, even though I, I know it's not God's will to, for evil, but he created the possibility of it. But we couldn't really have free will unless, and be like God, unless he gave us the sovereign free will that he had. Now, obviously, even we, oh, we have sovereign free will, I say that, God is sovereign over us. His sovereignty is over all. But in, in some respects, in a limited way, we have sovereign free will. The decisions we make are upheld by God. If a person decides they, they want to reject Christ, then God will make that decision so. Just because you say something doesn't mean, you know, God and his righteousness uh, affects the, all the decisions. He makes them reality. He, he makes it so that we are creatures who are volitional. And those decisions matter. The choices we make matter. And... Um, so, so there, yeah, we could talk about the possibilities of 
what would have happened, what would have but, but we can understand one thing is that God knew that all of that would happen. And as a result, you know, he hid all of this in, in him. He knew that history would be um, recorded just the way it happened and that at Pentecost, he would, cre he would be able to bring those many sons into glory and begin to build his church. So, so he hid all of that information. He knew about it before he created all things. He knew about it before he created the angels. So, uh, so it's God. He was always there from eternity past. The next thing he created was the universe. And then he created angels. And then he created man. But before he did all of that, he planned, the Father planned through that to bring many sons into glory. So how do we wrap our heads around that? Well, do we say, well, God created this and, uh, and then he hoped that man would sin so that he could have what he wanted? No, that's not what it is, it is at all. God is righteous. He is, but what he allows is for the free will to be what it is. So it's just, for instance, like in, in the Old Testament, I believe it's in Isaiah somewhere, it says, that he created the evil one. He didn't create Satan. He created Lucifer, who had free will. Lucifer used his free will to become Satan. So God knew about all that. And he, knowing about that Lucifer would do that, he still created Lucifer. He didn't say, well... Maybe I won't create Lucifer because if I do create Lucifer and he sins, then that's evil, and evil will be in the world. God still chose to create the angels. Perfect. There was no flaw in any of the angels or, or Lucifer or any of them. They, but what they had was free will. That free will is powerful. That's a powerful thing. We we can even think about the fact that whoever believes in Christ will have eternal life. That that's a decision we make. It's a dis, a faith decision where we commit the matter of our so, our souls to Christ. He paid for every sin we would ever commit, and so we commit the matter of our souls to Christ, and that's a decision we make. And sure enough, it it is an eternal decision. We reject Christ, that's an eternal decision. If we choose to grow in grace and uh, fulfill the plan of God, God says we will receive rewards. God rewards those who diligently seek him, and on and on. So hopefully that, I'll pause to see, I'm not sure if I'm even answering any more of your question. Other no, we're good. Okay. Other thoughts out there? Not. We're going to head right into Romans. All right. So Romans eight. This is where we are. Um, so last week. Well, well, the verse we are. Let me let me just cover. So, verse seventeen. Now, if we are children, 
then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So from that is where we are. We, we took off and we, we studied uh, in 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So we, we talked about how Paul considered this, how he calculated this. He added it up on one side. He added it up on the other side. And he said, wow, this side so far outweighs the other side. It's not even comparable. It's not worth comparing. It's so far out of proportion that it does not make any sense to compare it. But even though we do give up something from the standpoint of suffering. It is not suffering. Does it cost us something? Yes, it does. Suffering uh, is not pleasant. Suffering, part of suffering is that God grows us up. He, every son he receives, he, he uh, chastises everyone. That's part of suffering is growth. And God allows that to happen, and he allows the world to come to bear upon us, right? Because, uh, as Christ says, don't worry, if, if the world hates you, just remember, it hated me first. So we're not to think, oh, well, woe is me, we're suffering, and we got this terrible uh, way ahead. But we are to know that the suffering is because we are in Christ, Christ is the next world ruler. Christ is not an, only a world ruler. He is the ruler of all things. Things in heaven, things on earth, under, things, whether they be thrones or principalities or powers or uh, whatever there is, Christ is over all things. That's who he is. It's not just a man like Adam received dominion and rulership over the earth. Well, Christ is over all things. In fact, when he uh, was resurrected and he was he visited with the disciples, one of the things he said is, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All power in heaven and on earth. So, so which is, and we at the present time, we, we don't see all things under Christ on earth. But we know, just like it says in Psalm 110, sit at thy, my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So that's what's going on at this present time as well. In the church age, God is calling out those many sons in the glory. And after the seven-year tribulation, Christ will come back and he will restore the earth. So we discussed this last time. Um, so he said, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, you know, it's interesting. You could look at me and you don't see much glory. You just see Doug. In fact, I'm aging. So when we think about the glory that will be revealed in us, right now you can't see it, but it will be revealed. When Christ comes, when he comes back in the second coming, then we also will be revealed with him in glory. 
So that is part of our destiny to, to have glorified bodies that uh, speak of the plan for us from eternity past. What God planned for us is we will actually be. We just never imagined that it would be to this extent that we would affect all creation. It's amazing as we read these verses. So this glory. So for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So the children of God, as we are reading back in verse 17, where Paul uses the logical argument. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. So we're heirs of God. So there is two glories from the children of God. The fact that we have an inheritance of God speaks of a glory that uh, we will share with Christ. Because it is a plan that the Father had from eternity past. He would call these many sons into glory. That's part of our inheritance. We inherit all things from the Father. But then co-heirs with Christ. In other words, we will also... Um, be we will have an inheritance with Christ if we share in his sufferings. So we share in his sufferings because we're in the world just like he was in the world. And we suffer in the world like he'd suffered in the world. Although we don't have to overcome the world the way he did because he already overcame the world. We only walk in his footsteps in order to overcome the world. So there's a glory in that as well, that we have cooperated with God and we are rewarded by receiving glory and, and might I say, rewards. So, back to the scriptures where we are. So, verse 19, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So here we are with this whole creation. And last week, hopefully you you know you were here, and we uh, where we discussed uh, how all of this pans out, right? We we discussed the fact that um, when Christ comes back at the second coming, there will be a, a, a certain glory. In fact, the topography of the earth will change. There will be no more desert. Uh, he will transform the world. Uh, there will be no more sea there. Um, there will be uh, the ferocity of animals will be lifted uh, the curse will be lifted from the earth uh, it, like it says the desert will blossom right there will be no starvation and all of that there will be justice whereas there's injustice now in this world the unfairness Christ says when he comes back there will, he will judge in righteousness and we know it's going to be perfect and um, people will also rule with him, those who have overcome, those who uh, suffer with him. So th it will be um, a, a, a thousand years of the rule of Christ on this earth. But after these thousand years are finished, and this is in perfect environment, but it's a restored earth, God will come and he will destroy not only the earth and the universe. If we go to Revelation, I think we saw that. Uh, Revelation chapter 20. So, Revelation 20. Well, we read a lot of scriptures last week, some in the Old Testament, about the character of 
the millennium. So then in verse 11, after the thousand years are finished, we get to this place called the great white throne judgment. So it says, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. So this verse here is the in-between time. I don't know if you ever saw this, but it is in-between the time when uh, the thousand years are over, and then there's this great white throne judgment. And this is after Satan comes up and he tries to defeat the saints and God uh, destroys him, right? And uh, this is after the great battle, you know, he gathers the people from Gog and Magog and they march across the breadth of the earth. And then fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And then the devil was thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They would be tormented day and night forever and ever. And verse 11, then I saw... The great white throne. So between the time where the judgment on the earth, well, the judgment comes and God's great white throne now convenes. And every, it says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were open. But in verse 11, it says, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. So when this great white throne is convened, the first earth and the first heaven are destroyed, completely destroyed. Now, it is interesting because the believers who are on the earth, those who have resurrection bodies or those who didn't have resurrection bodies, everybody does at this point. Their bodies are indestructible. Even though there's fire that comes down and all that, they are not harmed. But the universe is destroyed and the earth is, the whole universe, including planet earth, is destroyed. This is what it means by the earth and the heavens fled from this presence and there was no place for them. In other words, you couldn't find them anymore. They were not where they were before. They're destroyed. Now, we already read Peter where he says, at that time, the elements will melt with fervent heat and elements are, every, everything is made up of the elements the atmosphere, even the, everything, space, the soil, the, the land, whatever it is, it's made up of elements. God will destroy all of those things. So I remember years ago, I used to study this a little bit, and I'm not any, especially when it comes to chemistry, I have no, listen, I'm not trying to, and I don't even clearly remember all the facts. I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but we were talking about the air and how air is H2O. If you think about, it's no H2O is water. I'm sorry, it's O2 is oxygen or something. But the way we were figuring this out was if you change the molecules around just a little bit, it doesn't become oxygen anymore. It becomes fire. So... Fooling around with just a little bit with these chemicals combinations and how they are uh, situated could change air, oxygen, into fire. And I thought that was amazing. Years ago, I don't remember all the details, I'm sorry, but it just came across my mind. Uh, 
but God's going to destroy all creation. All of the creation. This is after a thousand years are finished. Satan does his little thing after he comes out of the abyss for a short time. Uh, and, and then no more earth, no more heavens. Then God creates him. In 21, you see where, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. This is where I get the fact that there's no sea anymore. So this this whole thing with the new earth <clears throat> is the eternal state. There is no sin there. All the sin is associated with the first creation. And the holy city and all that, where, where it talks about that, especially in Revelation 22, it's not talking about the final state. It's talking about that millennium again. Where it says outside the holy city are this and that and the other things. Dogs and whoremongers and all this stuff. So in any case, the reason I'm saying all this is because uh, it's like it says in the earth for, for the, cre the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So when we say, why, why is the creation waiting? How did this happen? And we had to look at Romans. We're back in Romans, by the way. I know you may still be in Revelation like me. So back to Romans 8. How did it happen? That Why is the creation waiting? And how did all this happen? And this is verse 21, 8, 21, and 22. It explains why the creation uh, is waiting. An eager expectation. Right? So it's personifying creation. Because creation is really not waiting from the standpoint of like somebody waiting for something. But it's a metaphor. Giving the creation itself uh, human attributes. So that we can understand something about what God has done. So creation, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration... Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. So, just to note, we'll look at a couple thoughts in verse 20. Right? So, we discussed last time the parallels between the bad news, which means how uh, in Adam all die, and in Adam we receive... There are three things we receive from Adam. One, we receive spiritual death, because of Adam's sin... Many are, are spiritually dead, right? The all, all of the, his progeny are separate. And spiritual death means separation from God in time. So secondly, uh, we receive condemnation. God judged the whole human race of Adam because of one sin. Not because of your particular sin. You were condemned before you started sinning. And then we receive a sin nature from Adam, that rebellious nature that he, when he sinned, it is passed down to us. So what do we have in us is we have the spirit of rebellion, which we call the sin nature, or old the old man, Romans calls it, Romans 6. Why old man? Because it goes all the way back to Adam. But the old man is not does not rule over us anymore. And so, but those three things are what we inherited from Adam. 
spiritual death, condemnation, and the sin nature. Now the earth and, and, the, and the heavens also, as in fact, we were just talking about this before in Q&A, they also um, receive judgment as a result of Adam's sin. And here it is in verse 21, the, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Oh, I'm sorry, 20. I'm skipping ahead. For the creation was subjected to frustration. So this frustration, and we read last time about in Genesis uh, 3, 17 through 19, how the earth was cursed and it would not yield to Adam as it did before, thorns and thistles and such. That's the curse on the earth. But what, what we also didn't realize was the heavens were also cursed. Hence, all of that, all of that creation needed to be destroyed and, and a, a new heavens and a new earth also created. So verse 24, creation was subjected to frustration. Notice, not by its own choice. It just didn't happen. It says not by its own, own choice. See, the earth has been around a long time. So people could think, yeah, there, there would be some decay. But no, that's not the case. This is God's doing. He was the one who subjected the earth to this judgment. And it was as a result of Adam's original sin. And it says it's not by its own choice. In other words, if the creation had a, a choice in the matter, it would not have chosen to be subjected to frustration. God did it, but like it says, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So that who's the will of the one who subjected it? God. Adam sinned, but God is the one who assessed the penalty of that sin and extended it to all creation. God is the one who, who allowed for that. Now, why, do he, why would he do that? Verse, in, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from, the, from its bondage to decay. So, just, so we figure, right, we could look at that and, and we can clearly see that that is part of God's eternal purpose. Right? That he subjected it, he will free it. Right? So the story, it's, it's really the story of God's plan here. Uh, to bring many sons into glory. And all of this was done in hope. Right? That's, if we wanted to make a long story short, or if we wanted to summarize, God's wanted to bring many sons into glory. How is he going to do it? This is the whole story of it. And not only what happened to man, how man, man was also subjected to frustration when Adam sinned. We are born dead. And all of those three results we talked about. And then, so was the, uh, the whole universe was affected by that sin. And even heaven was affected by that sin. Because Satan was able to go back and forth in heaven. And in the middle of the tribulation, Satan is, there's war in heaven. Michael and his archangels fought against Satan and his angels. And, but Satan lost and was thrown out of heaven in the middle of the tribulation. So we have uh, that all heavens and earth is, is part of the corruption. In fact, when it talks about us and our battle, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but through, against principalities and 
powers and spiritual wickedness in, in high places. Well, he's talking about angels who inhabit the universe, right? The second heaven. Angels traverse there, and so they bring corruption to those, uh, to those spaces. So it's, all of this is, when it talks about us being free, now we know our story, how we are free spiritually speaking, we're saved, so we are reconciled to God, we're not spiritually dead, we're spiritually alive. We, we're not unrighteous, God has given us his own righteousness. Our, you know, these bodies who, where the sin nature have used, have been, has had access to use them, well they will eventually be destroyed. And God will, will grant us new bodies, and but our bodies will be like Christ. We will be like him. So, so this is complete restoration and freedom for us. We can know that all of this is, is in hope. When it says in hope, that's the point. But the hope is not just like, oh, God subjected the earth, the universe to frustration just so that he could free it. No, there's more than that. The in hope references the fact that God did all of that because he wanted to bring many sons into glory. That was his purpose in doing that. And we see that in verse 23. Not only so. When he says not only so, right? the creation has been groaning in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So notice, not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly we we wait eagerly for our adoption to some sonship the redemption of our bodies now notice verse 24 for in this hope we were saved so even though we were saved the fact that we get our resurrection bodies is the hope of all of this that's the hope that he said in hope before when he spoke of uh, in verse 20, he, he, not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected, he saw about the universe in hope. What, what do you mean in hope? Because God wanted to bring many sons into glory. I hope we understand this and if there's any questions about it, please don't hesitate to ask. So this is a story. It's, 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 the story involves not only us, but it's everything. So the next thought is, to what extent are we united to the person of Christ by the baptism of the Spirit? Right? That's what we should begin to notice. It is more than just, oh, Christ is a human being, we're a human being. Listen, if the whole creation is affected by us, like we are the Creator, well, we are united to the Creator. The whole creation is affected and brought to liberation and freedom through us because we have the role to be united to the one who is rightfully the creator of all things. So that is the thought of it. So the baptism of the Spirit, man, what that really does for us is special. So much so that we take part of the creator's role. Why would earth and, and the universe be fixed? Why would it be brought into the glorious freedom? 
Why, why would it be released from its frustration at the sight of us? And notice it doesn't say necessarily about Christ. It says that the sons of God, because Christ, listen, the prophecy was about how he would, um, who he was, and that he's the creator, and all things were created by him and for him. But the mystery is that we are his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. So that is the plan of God. That is the, the whole thought that Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so as we realize that, we, we are, through the identification of Christ, with, with Christ, through the baptism of the Spirit. So the revelation of the children of God enable, enables and speaks of the Creator bringing all things under its proper head. That's the whole thought. That's why the creation responds to its Creator. Just, we studied this where it says in Ephesians 1, 8, where it talks about He will bring all things under one head, that is Christ. All things in heaven, all things on earth, under one head. So Christ will be the rightful ruler. He will again rule all things and uh, and this is where we take a part in that so the in hope that he's talking about in verse 20 is where god subjected the creation to frustration in hope that it will be freed it is clearly a part of, it's clearly a part of the plan i hear some background noise you could put your phone on mute uh I hear somebody's phone is not on mute. So, it, it, so subjecting the creation of frustration was temporary. God knew it was temporary. He meant for it to be subjected to frustration, only to free it when he completed the uh, revelation of the children of God. It is not a permanent condition for man. It is not a permanent condition for all creation. So guess, think about that. You were subjected to frustration by what happened in Adam. And you said, well, we call it the bad news. In hope that God would be, we would be brought into the freedom of the children of God. I still hear some background noise. Hold on. Let me see if I can correct it. Okay. So, so that, to me, that's interesting to think about it that way. How there's a parallel between what happened to the earth, what happened to us, and that's laid out in verse 23. So let's look at um, verse 21 now. We've been talking around it, so we might as well just see if we can talk about it, and then we're going to close after that. So the 21 says that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So liberation, as we said, is in two steps. One is a restoration, all right? And we already talked about that in the millennium and how it wouldn't be a, a new heavens and a new earth where the first earth and the first heaven is destroyed. It will be a restoration. And then the second one is the total renewal. God destroys all things. So the liberation is in two steps. And then 
Um, so I think we discussed that. Hopefully, if there's any questions at all on that, please let me know. We, we, we went over the scriptures. So then there's another thought. So, so this bondage to decay. So what are we saying there? Bondage to decay. We're, you know, the earth was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. So this frustration is uh, a deteriorating state for the earth. So not only, so the earth may have been perfect, God created the earth to last forever. I mean, it was never to be temporary. But that frustration is as a result of sin and its destruction, which we don't realize the full brunt of what sin does. But God understands sin uh, in a much more uh, righteous way than we do. God sees the full enormity of what sin does. So the bondage to decay is a deteriorating earth because of sin. And we can also say that's true of our bodies, right? Our bodies deteriorate, we get old. What happens when we get old? We get feeble, we can't do the things we used to do. Um, and then the body just begins to decay. And then it wears out. So it's the same thing if we read Hebrews 1.10. Uh, we see the same thing about the earth. One, uh, so it says... He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. So this is God's creation of the earth. But then he says, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. So this, they will wear, wear out, meaning this is the decay part. The earth is in a state of decline. It is decaying. So can we see signs of that? Absolutely. I believe we can. Just like you can see signs of your body wearing out. Obviously, the earth is a lot tougher than your body. Because uh, we're talking, I don't know, millennia that the earth has been in ex existence. Whereas your body may last 70 to 100 years. Now, of course, before the flood, people's lives were extended and some 800 900 years uh, but now that is not so you see the deterioration of our bodies happening a lot faster so notice it is the decay there is a bondage to decay but that's going to be free that's not always going to be our sojourn and the earth once we get our resurrection bodies they will never wear out so we so we read Psalm 110, he says, verse 12, You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. This is talking about Christ. But notice what happens to the earth. And, and all of this, this is a quote. Now, this is not part of the mystery. You can also find the same passage in Psalm 102, 25 through 27. So, uh, this is not part of the mystery, but this is what would happen anyway with Christ. It was, this information was revealed uh, through in the Old Testament. So, but the mystery is something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. So, that's bond, the bondage to decay. But then there's the freedom, the liberation from bondage, what we will experience. 
the creation. Just imagine when the new creation comes. All we know is the old creation. We don't even know anything about what would it be like to have a new creation. What would it be like to be in a creation that God designed to last forever and it does last forever? I mean, the wonders of it. And in fact, we look at this creation and we still see beauty in it. We still see beautiful flowers and landscapes and uh, things that just take our breath away when we look at it. And so it, even though it is decaying, it still has a lot of creation beauty. But imagine what the creation will be like when God makes it all over. We just, it, it's hard for us to imagine. So just think about it. It will be pristine from the hand of God. That's what we will inherit. Uh, glory, in, in, in the, and the, there's the glory, it says lib, that we will be liberated. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So, so Christ is already glorified. Right? So, so notice, he's already glorified, but he's sitting at the right hand of God, waiting till his enemies are footstool for his feet before all of this happens. So, as I said before, God knew about the tribulation. He knew about the second coming of Christ. All that's in the Old Testament. It's there. But what about what God planned for us? It's not there. We are those sons of God that happen just before the tribulation begins, that are complete. So, when God completes us in Christ, that is the completion of what the Father's eternal purpose was. The rest of it is to finish out human history. Doing what Israel seven years was, Christ comes back, restores the earth, then after the thousand years are over, he destroys all things, creates a new heavens and a new earth. But the glory of the children of God, that's what we have. And I go to John and we'll close after we read this one because it's getting late. John chapter 17. This is verse 22 to 24. So John 17, 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me. So this is Christ saying to us, to the Father. He's praying to the Father on our behalf. He says, I have given them the glory that you gave uh, me that they may be one as we are one. So everything that Christ is, the glory that he receives, we also receive so that we are one. I and and what how does how does that happen? I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete oneness. That unity is oneness. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me, listen to this, before the creation of the world. That's the kind of glory that Christ has because it speaks of us. It speaks of bringing many sons into glory. And, and that is what he's talking about. That's the kind of glory, the fact that the Father's plan will be complete, that he will have those many sons. We are those sons. And not only does it affect 
everything that God ever wanted, but it also affects all creation. So we're going to talk more about it, but I think we're moving through. Hopefully there's some understanding. What I'd like to see is if there are any questions next time, and I know we're running out of time. We won't do it this week. But next week, let's come back and think. Is Are there any questions? Are, or should we move forward? Or there, should we have to settle even a little bit more? Uh, we went through several scriptures to for this understanding. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. So let's bow our heads as we close. Gracious Father, thank you so much for privilege of... Uh, you know, understanding our role in these things and uh, knowing that we play a pivotal role in your plan. And we thank you for choosing us from eternity past to be in Christ. We thank you for those who are here, those who have brought their energy and their diligence to the scriptures so that we can continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.